Hello, survivors. This is Annie, and you're listening to the Starting Over Stronger Divorce Survival and Recovery Show. Today's SOS Survivor's Own Storyteller is Natalie. I first met Natalie when she participated in one of the support groups I led on healing from the hidden psychological abuse that so many women are facing. Natalie is now a few years out from her divorce, and I have been enjoying watching her story unfold on Facebook and TikTok, where she is fond of using her amazing creative skills that include music, storytelling, and authenticity. I know she's excited to be here today to talk with us about how much she is savoring her singleness and what her gratitude and peace about this time in her life has given her as she is building a new life she now loves. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be with you today. I am glad to have you. I love hearing women's stories and hearing what their unique takeaways are from their divorce situations. So let's just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you live now, what you do, your family, pets, hobbies, whatever you want. Sure. So I am 38 years old. I live in Lee Summit, Missouri. I'm basically from the Kansas City area born and raised here, went to college in Nebraska for a couple years, moved back. Right now I'm single and I live with my two wonderful cats, Boogie and (laughs) Melvin. I call him Mel. (laughs) All of my family is in Kansas City. So uh, I've got a great job working in human resources. Yep. I can't think of anything else, but yes. Well, very good. Thank you. Sometime back, I watched a video that you'd posted about all the cool things you're enjoying in your new single life. And it really just inspired me. And I knew it would be a great story for the listeners here on the Starting Over Stronger show because they're here because they need a word of encouragement or understanding from somebody who's been through what they're going through. And I thought, what better person than you who's gladly putting all this out on social media to share with us how much fun and joy life can bring on the other side of divorce. What do you recall from that video? I know you and I spoke about it after I after I had that moment. And, and I wondered what you recall from it that you could share with us today about, you know, just the gifts that you are savoring in your single life right now. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. That means that video means a lot to me for sure. I made it a while back when I was just feeling really sentimental about how far I've come in my healing since my divorce. So I wanted people who are hurting to see that there is joy in singleness and that there really is joy in finding yourself. The thing that I found is that Finding yourself doesn't necessarily mean this grander, eat, pray, (laughs) love, you know, you're out there in the world. And healing is messy, but there's also beautiful things inside of that too. So I kind of wanted to focus some of the things that I had done for myself since my divorce that never would have happened had I not gone through this experience, Mm. right? So things like spending time in nature, reconnecting with family that I didn't get to see very much, you know, getting back involved in church, making music again, writing music doing things that I just was passionate about that I had stuffed down for so long. And once I kind of got through that that period of intense pain, I started to find that there is joy in all of these little things. And I just wanted other people who were hurting oh, to see that's that so too. good. I just... I loved everything about it. In fact, I didn't even think of it till just now, but there's probably a way that we can link to that in uh, the episode description. So I'll work with you on that later and see if we can't get that to where the listeners can 
watch that video if they want to. Technology is not my forte, but <laughs> we'll see what we can do. <laughs> okay. Oh, I would love well, that. Let's yeah. back up a little and give the listeners a little perspective on just what a victory is. this is. I mean, rewind back to maybe even your childhood or anything, I guess, from your youth, however far back you want to go, that you feel compelled to share. And then tell us the story of you know how that led into your marriage, into your divorce. And I may jump in with questions as you go, but I just want to hear what you have to share mm-hmm. with us. Yeah, definitely. So growing up, uh, my parents were married until I was about 10 years old. And during that, it, it was just very tumultuous. Their divorce was very messy. As a result of just various things in my childhood, I developed an extremely poor sense of self-esteem and self-worth. So I thought the world around me saw me as less than, not worthy, and not good enough. Uh, And I had trouble feeling like I was never seen. It really resonated and kind of came out in my relationships. And I didn't think that was a thing that your your childhood experiences kind of manifest themselves in your relationships. But but that's mm-hmm. definitely what happened. So I ended up, yeah, I ended up dating people who didn't really treat me the way that I deserved. And then on the other hand, I would kind of internalize all of that and constantly think that things were wrong with me and I had done something wrong and I was broken. So those toxic patterns just kept repeating themselves. So at the point where I had met my husband, I thought, okay, my ex-husband, I guess, but I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I was 29 or 30 by that point. And I, I waited, you know, I waited to get married. I'm doing this thing right. But I didn't realize how much unhealed trauma that I had experienced that led me into that situation. So when the marriage ended and I kind of was left with myself and my thoughts, I was really broken and it was a very, very dark time. So I I think I probably spent a good two years in therapy, in support groups, just, you know, almost even in survival mode for a really long time. It was very difficult. And if you don't mind, explore some of those things that you had to process through that you, you, you mentioned were, you know, those toxic things that you hadn't dealt with about yourself. (laughs) So sure. Uh, You know, one thing that I've always struggled with is, is my own worthiness. And a lot of times in my marriage, I just felt like I'm not worthy enough to be here. There's something about me that has to be wrong. Why did he choose me? And although there were good things about the marriage, there were also things that we did not know how Mm -hmm. to take on. We didn't have those communication skills. We didn't know how to set a boundary within our marriage without getting mm-hmm. angry about it. And this was this was on both sides. You know, we we just, you know, let's say I had a hurt feeling, he had a hurt feeling, we wouldn't talk about it and we would let it fester. So the things that I tried to explore, you know, when that ended was how how do I react to conflict? Because conflict is always going to happen. Relationships yeah. are not easy. And the better equipped you are to communicate with the other person, I think the better chance of success yeah, you'll have. Sure. But yeah, and you also have to have a willingness to do that. So if you're kind of at a point where both partners aren't willing to do the work that that it takes to discover, okay, what are these toxic traits that I have? What do I bring to the table? How can we work on this together? Kind of approach it as me and you versus the problem, not right. me versus you. 
Yeah. And I had a tendency to get extremely defensive Mm -hmm. of myself for just random things. And I didn't start exploring those. It took, you know, it really took a while because in the, in the initial stages of divorce, and I'm sure everyone listening can, can relate to this, but you kind of want to blame the other person Mm -hmm. because it's easy. So you can sit there and say, well, they did Mm -hmm. this and they did that. No, no, no. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. And while that is valid, at some point, I, I, I just realized, okay, I'm, I'm hurt by the fact that this marriage has ended. I feel lost. But what what else is going on? I know there's something else here. And it never had anything to do with him. It was everything to do with me, the environment I you know created for myself, the, the patterns that mm-hmm. I was repeating, and, and continuing to live those. So therapy... I highly recommend it, ladies. <laughs> we all need it. <laughs> Life is hard. Yes, you know, yes. There's no shame in that. Life is hard. And, and reach out to other people who are in the same boat. You know, when, when I met Annie, we both were going through divorce mm-hmm. at the same time. I was lucky enough to go to a church where we had a mm-hmm. divorce care support group. And I learned so many things from her. She was in a completely different stage of life than I was. But just being able to talk to somebody else who's like, you know what, I'm hurting too. And I get it. And it's going to hurt for a really long time, but I'm here and let's kind of sit in that together and, and figure that out. And your worth doesn't change just because yeah, you're divorced. Absolutely. Well, so your, your marriage was, um, how long? It was about okay. four years. And was it one of those where it was good for a while and then it began to decline? Or was it one of those where you knew pretty early on that it was probably not going to go well? Yeah. And that's a tough question because you know I, I always want to be respectful of him and, and his side of things. But I think from my experience, initially, I could tell early on that my emotional needs okay. were not being met. And I didn't know what to do with that because I thought, well, I mean, I love this person. I want to be with this person, but I'm not, I'm not being fed mm-hmm. and I'm constantly being pour, pouring mm-hmm. from an empty cup. And I, 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 anytime I would try to approach that, I was yeah. met with hostility. And I think that's because he didn't have the ability to recognize his own emotional shortfalls. And whenever I would approach him, it was well, if I can't meet her emotional needs, then then I'm just going to just get really defensive and upset and and, mm-hmm. and get scared. So uh, I yeah. stuffed all of that down, and I'm, I'm very good. I think I, I I could probably call myself CEO of <laughs> stuffing things under the rug, pretending yeah. they will go away. Uh, the, the need for my emotional needs to be met yeah. kept growing, and when I saw how. I'm a, I, I refer to myself as an empath. I am extremely emotional. I am sensitive. I feel everything mm-hmm. so deeply. I pick up on all of the things that are around me in my situations and my environment. And he, he was not emotional at all. And several times he would say, I don't have feelings. I don't have emotions. So when you get someone who's extremely emotionally closed off versus somebody who's very emotionally, you know, in, in tuned, that, a lot of that was yeah. like oil and water and it was extremely difficult. So yeah. those problems, honestly, did they just mm-hmm. kept compounding? And although we cared yeah. about each other, it, it, yeah, it was like an explosion waiting to happen. And did you guys, you, you guys tried counseling or what, what times of things did you try to work through those issues? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I had to do the counseling alone. I, 
I went through a few different types of counselors just to figure out, you know, am I, do I have depression? Am I just sad because I'm sad and this is my environment? Am I sad because of the marriage? But anytime a counselor would, would dig in and, and, and poke at the bear, I, I would say, no, 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 that, that's not it. My marriage is great. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'd be very defensive of that. He just didn't believe in, in talking out problems outside yeah. of the marriage, but he didn't talk about them inside the marriage either. <laughs> so I didn't really have a place to go to, yeah. to sit with <laughs> And you know, something you said earlier kind of resonated with me. I was trying to think of the name of this teen mo- teen romance movie. You may know what I'm talking about when I say it. There's this line from it that just sticks in my brain. And I said movie, but it was a book. And I, but I think they made it into a movie. And the line was, pain demands to be felt. Do you know what I'm talking mm. about? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I don't know the movie, but I, I yeah, resonate with that right. quote so deeply. And it does. If you, if you don't deal with it in one way, it's going to come out in another. And I mean, I've even seen as a, as a coach, I've even seen that in physical ways that women who have been in bad marriages for decades, you know, have chronic pain that they can't explain, that they can't treat, that they can't fix medically. And then they go through a divorce and they suddenly don't have that anymore. And... <laughs> Yeah. That, that happened to me too. I, I was in and out of the hospital several times mm-hmm. for GI issues. I, this was, uh, I didn't know. I, I, at one point, you know, somebody thought maybe I gluten mm-hmm. intolerant, maybe, oh my gosh, so many different things. I didn't realize how trauma can be yeah. stored within the body and, and manifest as different physical conditions. Right. Okay. So you were trying different things and, and there had to come a point where you were just like, you know what? I divorce is going to have to be the answer. What what was that experience like for you? When was that? Yeah. So I reached a point where one of my therapists finally told me what was going on in the marriage and and just and for the sake of him, I, I don't want to say what that is, but there's just some things that, that happen within the marriage that, you know, I, I really never thought that I would leave. I thought that, you know, well, God intended marriage to be forever. I, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I, I can't leave. I care about this person. And, and we made a promise of, we made a covenant mm-hmm. under God, like we would always love each other. And I didn't know what to do with that. However, I was not being treated uh, well. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was, there was a lot of, um, I would say emotional abuse that was happening Mm -hmm. that led me, you know, I I would be crying in bed, you know, night after night with my cat just next to me thinking, I think the only creature in the world that loves me is this cat. And that was a very lonely and isolating feeling. And, and, you know, whether he knew he, that that was happening in the marriage, I don't know, you know, referring to my ex-husband, but it's funny because there wasn't a single light bulb moment. It was just a series of small things Mm -hmm. that kept happening, compounding. And one day we were just out at dinner and I said, you know, are you happy? And he wouldn't answer the question. He got kind of angry. And I said, I said, look, I'm not doing this anymore. Just, just tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. And he still wouldn't answer me. And finally I said, "Ah, I don't really know what to do anymore because I can either sit here and be treated like absolute dirt every day for the rest of my life, or I, I can leave. I don't really know what to do anymore. And he he did, he didn't really have anything to say. I mean, it was a very crazy conversation, but we left it knowing that I was done. Yeah. And so I I left and went to my grandma's, and I think throughout the next couple of days, took all of my things, moved into my grandma's house. I mean, and we knew we knew. I mean, there was a complete unwillingness to say. I have issues. You have issues. Let's open these and unpack together. 
it, it just kind of was like, this is who I am and you either take it or don't. I, mm-hmm. I'm not changing. Okay. And when you can't do anything else with that, there's really nowhere else to go right. but to separate. Yeah. So did you guys separate for a time before a, a divorce was filed? And did you file or did he or how did that go? Um, we separated for a few days. I mean, he was, you know, I, I'll take back a little bit because I think in the beginning I was thinking maybe a couple nights away will make him come back. And when mm-hmm. we come back to talk, he will just be ready and we'll talk about this. Do we want to get divorced? Do we want to stay yeah. together? What's our plan? But he came to me with a list of assets and said, here's our assets. I've already written them out. We're just going to approach this. Like we're just two people getting a divorce. I know it's hard, but I, I wasn't mm-hmm. prepared for that. So I knew at that point he was, yep, he was done. Okay. So I guess mm-hmm. I don't have a choice. And I, yeah, I immediately took all my things and, and stayed with my grandma for a few weeks. But I think I filed within the next month or so. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't long you know, before I realized that I, we needed to do this. So yes, I filed first. Okay. I didn't think you were going to say that after you said he came with a list of assets. I thought he sounds like he's in the driver's seat, but you had, you still had to do the filing. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted, I, I, in some small way for me, that was me taking my power back. Yeah, and I, my, my dad and my, yeah, my dad and my stepmom are to think for that because they, they really stepped in to be a huge support for me and mm-hmm. helped me find a divorce attorney, a good one. And yeah, they, they walked me through every step. Yeah. Well, that, that's, exactly where you needed to be and and what needed to happen. And and it's a hard reality, mm-hmm. but you got there. And, and like I said, you know, we started by talking about this video that you made and how, you know, you really have discovered the real Natalie. And, and I know it was hard work. You had to dig deep. Uh, you had to cry a million tears. You had to push yourself to get out of your own way. You had to invest in allowing others to speak into your life. I heard you say a therapist. Mm-hmm. I know you probably let me coach you a little bit. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yes. be your friend and, and, and love you through it all and help you through it all because nobody can do this on their own well anyway. And, you know, you, you had to define, define some big visions for your life and figure out how you we're going to get there one day at a time. And that's really what starting over stronger is all about. So Natalie, I just, I appreciate so much, you know, you sharing from such a place of both vulnerability and strength. I ha- I do have a few questions for you. And I thought it would be kind of interesting to, for the listeners to kind of just pull all this together, put this together with their own stories so they can learn how to savor their singleness too. So my first question for you, is was there a light bulb moment for you when you shifted from grieving the loss of your marriage and any regrets you had from that and maybe even feeling sorry for yourself to this decision to live and savor the life that you have now? Yeah, uh, very good question. So to be honest, no. And that's okay. uh, some people <laughs> some people do do have that. For me, it was all of these small insignificant things that started adding up to where one day I kind of looked back and thought, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing this. Wait a minute. I'm finding a network of people who love me. I'm surrounded by hope and happiness. And as sad as, as a divorce is, it can't be the end of my story. So right. little things like getting back into church, that was 
probably the best thing I ever did was was just going to church and and feeling the love of God and the love of my the, of, of friends who never met me who were willing to walk in the pain with me, willing to understand that I'm still going to hurt, but I'm 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 kind of going through a really big transformation here. So. Yeah. Um, in therapy too. So yeah. I, I would say, you know, it's, it's definitely okay. If you, if there isn't a light bulb moment for you, there, it might not happen, but little things will start happening over and over. If you just know that, you know what, I'm worth happiness, you know, I'm worth living my life authentically. Yeah. And you know what that really speaks to is just that willingness and ability to begin to learn how to live in the moment because, all of you know what you just described is is not a light bulb moment. It's that moment where you you can suddenly see hindsight in, is twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and all of these little things have been happening over this course of time that have led you to this huge change, and you didn't even know it was happening. And, and to me, what that says is you were learning how to live in the moment and to love where you were at for what it had to offer, all the, you know, warts included <laughs> and good and bad, take it for what it's worth and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And sometimes that's all you can do. The key word you said there is love. I think something like love yourself where you're at. And I actually, every day, almost daily, I'd write that in my journal, love myself where I'm at. So if the only thing I could do in the beginning was maybe take a shower that day and go back to bed, great. I'm going to love myself because you know what? I took a shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, eventually it started, that list started growing. Love myself where I'm at. Okay, maybe I backslid a little bit today and I cried for a while. Maybe I got sad, but I'm human and I'm still going to love, I'm going to love myself where I'm at. And, and don't expect you to be farther on in the process than you think you should be. That'll really mess with your head. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that for sure. And like you said, there's always, you know, all you can do is just take your first steps, get the support you need as you've, t- as you've talked about, and then accept that there are going to be missteps and fallbacks. It's going to happen. And it's part of the plan. It's part of the process. It's not you veering off your path. It's you still being on your path. It's part of it. Yeah, right. Definitely. So how do you deal with the limiting beliefs that I'm sure you have because we've talked about them and I have them and so does everyone who's been through any kind of abuse recovery. The old stories, the tapes, as they sometimes are called, that replay in your head and you know, you're just kind of try something, <laughs> some force, trying to suck you back into victimization. How do you deal with that? In therapy, I actually learned a really good way to deal with this because it's so easy to get stuck in in that and replay these things, especially and, and women who who kind of get out of a toxic situation will know they're like, wait a minute, I'm going to get out and heal myself. And then they're just going to go on and, and give everything that I always wanted to the next person. And where does that leave me? That's the tape that stuck and just, it replayed daily. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, what, what that tape was, I had to say, okay, well, what's, what am I really saying to myself here by thinking this? What I'm saying is I'm not worthy, Yeah. but, but then I had to ask myself, who told me that? And when you think about, is it me? Is it just my own insecurities, my own, you know, trauma rearing its ugly head? Or did yeah. somebody literally sit there one day and say, you know what, Natalie, you're not worth it because guarantee they didn't. It, it was me in my head. Is that a lie that I'm telling myself or is this true? And that's basically how I like to deal with these types of things when they, when this come up. Who told me that? Where is the source of this coming from? And is there anything deeper underneath that that I need to try to dig out? Because that's really important to me. Yeah. And is there any truth in it? And if not, what is the truth? And then maybe you need to write that truth down and put it on postcards all over your house or something, you know, yeah. sometimes you have, it, it comes to that where you've, you've got to reprogram your brain 
to stop believing the lies, right? Yeah. And another thing that helped me a lot was EMDR therapy. It's a, it's a really great type of therapy for people who've been through traumatic memories and who, who can't um, kind of process through them. And, and, and I was stuck in a lot of memories. So that also helped me work through a lot of the, the more difficult things. Today's episode is sponsored by Katrera Law, helping people when bad things happen. Kansas City divorce attorney Nick Katrera has been offering strong yet compassionate legal representation for almost two decades, voted best of the bar seven times, and the coveted super lawyer three years running. He's earned these honors as an effective litigator who works hard to avoid litigation where fair settlements are possible. Every case is different. Kutrera Law successfully tries or settles cases where both parents gain substantial, meaningful contact with children or which a parent's visitation is restricted based on the best interests of the kids, also increasing or decreasing child support based on present financial circumstances. Each case is litigated according to its own merit. The choice of an attorney is a personal decision that should not be made based on advertising alone. As always, Starting Over Stronger Coaching recommends interviewing a few attorneys before making your selection. If you are in the Kansas City area, I highly recommend making Nick Catrera one of those calls. Call Catrera Law at 816-525-5226 or visit CatreraLaw.com. That's C-U-T-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com. Please tell them you heard about them on Starting Over Stronger. Now back to the show. Right. And I same for me. And I talk about EMDR all the time. There's actually another form, kind of a newer form of it called ART, which is accelerated reprocessing therapy. And it's it works on the same premise and it's basically doing the same thing, but it They've, I don't know, you know, science. (laughs) They've figured out a way to make it all happen faster. So sometimes what EMDR would take six months to accomplish or three months, you might get in two to three, four or five sessions with ART. And it's really the same kind of process. And I like to explain it to people like this. Your brain is like this big filing cabinet. And like any filing cabinet, there's folders and those folders have labels. And what our brain wants to do with our with the information that comes into our lives and the experiences that we had is to figure out where to put those in the filing cabinet. And they sometimes get misfiled. And if you get, you know, you have a traumatic experience and it gets put in the wrong file, it will keep getting triggered when it shouldn't be. And it, and it's not that you want to necessarily try to pretend like it never happened to you. It is a reality in your life, whatever that thing is, but it doesn't need to have a grip on you emotionally so that other things that are happening in your life that are somehow reminding you of that thing because they're in the same folder in your brain filing cabinet. Basically what EMDR does is take that misfile out of that folder and put it in the one it's supposed to be in at the back of the filing cabinet because it's a reality. It's there and it happened, but it doesn't need to be associated with all of these other more benign things that are going to continue to happen in your life. And it is I, it's nothing short of a miracle, if you ask me. I mean, I can define my life by pre-EMDR, pre 
or post EMDR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I really can because everything that happens to me is processed totally differently than it was before. Same, same here, a hundred percent. And you're the one I've, I actually learned about this from in the beginning. And then when my therapist decided to talk to me about it and bring it up, I, I before she could even get the words out, yes, I'll do it <laughs> because, because, because if it means that, you know, it, it, it can help me heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And that's a wonderful way to explain it. I always struggle with that. So you did a great job. Well, because it's just so weird. People just can't wrap their minds around it. And what people don't understand, they naturally don't trust. And yeah. so I try to make it like just as simple as possible. You know, this is just how your brain works. And and that's how my therapist explained it to me. And I just, it's just really always resonated with me that it makes perfect sense that that's the way it happens. Trauma gets put in the wrong folder and it needs to be refiled. And that's what EMDR does. And and then really, truly life looks different after that in ways that you really can't define in a lot of ways. it's It just happens. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Well, so your story about, you know, just coming to know yourself better has a lot to do with the types of activities that you put in your life in place of what you were doing and had been doing when you were married. And I, you know, just thinking about some of those things and then also just thinking about other things that I've with other clients that I've worked with that have been very helpful for women to do with the extra time that they find as a single person. And so I thought I would just throw some out and then you can give me your experiences back as well. So oh, the, definitely. This is the fun part. Yeah. So the, the first one is spending time outdoors. I love spending time outdoors. I can't get enough of it. What about you? (laughs) (laughs) Most people who know me know I'm not exactly the outdoors type, but I will say I I took a trip to Utah right after things had kind of gotten bad and I left the marriage. So I visited a a really good friend of mine from childhood and we went on a, a little bit of a hiking thing and it's so beautiful in Utah. And there is something very cathartic and healing and just relaxing about being in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I did not know existed before I kind of was forced to to do things out of my comfort zone. It's wonderful. I encourage everyone to spend as much time out in the world as they can. Absolutely. You just breathe differently. It's just, it's just fresh and it's and it just seems like it slows the clock down almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another one is kind of finding your creativity, whether that's maybe playing in the kitchen, coming up with new recipes, discovering that you actually have talent in the kitchen, <laughs> or maybe mm-hmm. it's not the kitchen. Maybe it's like music for you. I know was one thing. Maybe it's revisiting something that you did as an after school activity or, you know, something like that as a kid that you forgot all about. Was that, was mm-hmm. that the case for you with the flute? Oh, yes. And I'm going to probably light up thinking about this because this means the world to me that I dug my flute out for the first time in 13 years. And, you know, God's kind of funny the way he works because he kind of just places things in my life. And my high school band director, who I've always been close to, took over the community band for the town that I grew up in and reached out. And I'm like, yes, I want to join. I, I wouldn't have been able to do that before. So I I dusted my flute out. I joined the community band. And not only did I do that, but I started writing my own music. I was recording videos, like fun little Christmas ditties and, you know, other requests, Disney. You know, I'm not, I'm not like an amazing musical person, but I'm pretty good. And I was able to kind of put these things together and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Yeah. I like watching your little, uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're YouTubes or TikToks or whatever they are. They come up on my Facebook <laughs> and I watch them and enjoy your your music, your musical talent. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And over the quarantine, when we got locked down last year, I started writing music, which I didn't even 
know that I could do. I just, I, I would hear a song and think, well, it would be really cool if my band could play that, but it's mm-hmm. not, there's no music for full band for this. So I would start doing it myself. And I actually made my first arrangement and we were going to play it in our band, but then, you know, we kind of all got shut down. So yeah. when things go back to a little bit, you know, more of a normal routine here and we can kind of get back together with band, we're actually going to play this song that that I wrote myself. I mean, oh, arranged awesome. and, and did a hundred percent on my own. And it's, it was a complete labor of love that I worked really hard on. I'm so proud. That is so cool. You know, one one thing I, I think of a lot is that creativity is really squelched when we are in survival mode. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a part of our brain that doesn't work when we're just trying to survive. And that survival might be physical, but it more likely is emotional, psychological, mental. And when we get out of that, and we're just living life the way we're supposed to, all of a sudden we see this creativity emerge that we maybe didn't know was there or maybe we did, you know, when we were younger and we just didn't realize we were living without it for a long period of time. So it's really cool to watch all the different ways that comes out, you know, in culinary, music and and so many other things. Uh, One thing that I noticed that I was doing a lot of was more reading and watching documentaries and shows about different things. I went and got my DNA test done so I could see what my heritage was. And one of the predominant bloodlines, I guess, whatever you call it for me, was um, Great Great Britain, British. And I was like, okay. you know. And then all of a sudden, I was interested in all of these documentaries and shows on Netflix and stuff where they're talking with British accents. <laughs> and all of this is so silly because it's not something that I would normally be interested in, but I took like the crown on Netflix. I devoured that show. I loved it. It was because it was not only entertaining, it was also historical. And I was learning about British culture and the way the whole, you know, the the whole democracy of the crown works. And it was just so interesting to me. And so I think that's one of the things that people do, uh, women do with the extra time they find as they're single, they they find something or someone that they have always taken an interest in, or maybe it's a new interest. And they really begin to explore that, watch documentaries or YouTubes or, you know, learn a new habit or a new trick or a new uh, hobby or whatever, you know, just do something that you wouldn't have done otherwise. And you've done a lot of that, I think. Absolutely. So another one is to schedule regular time together with family and friends that you might not have had the time to spend with otherwise. And I know I heard you mention that. Tell us a little bit about how that worked for you. This actually worked out pretty cool because, well, I was always, I've always been close with my mom. You know, we, we live close together and everything. Uh, my grandma, you know, she's, she's passed now, but at the time was, I really actually needed the six weeks that um, I lived with her, you know, before I moved into my own apartment. But the, the really special thing for me is really kind of getting close to my dad and, and my stepmom because we, we spent a lot of years where we just really weren't close and we didn't have, you know, that, 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 that close connection. And through the divorce, through, leaning on them through, through realizing like how much they love me, um, where I was able to kind of like heal a lot of things that I had been missing with my relationship with my dad. And I keep in regular contact with him. Now we send funny texts and <laughs> I am so grateful. I really don't know that I would have, actually, I know I would not have that had I not gone, gone through the divorce. So yeah. for me, even if, even if the only thing I gained out of this was being closer with my dad, that was that 100% was what's worth it, worth it for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so another uh, tip would be to volunteer for an organization that you feel passionate about. That might be a role in your church that you've kind of had your eye on. That may be something in your community. I know one thing I did was, um, and and it was some time ago that I did it, but I, I really have a passion for just helping women, period. And I got involved with the Rachel House organization and did just a variety of different things for them. And sometimes that's just a donation. But sometimes it's getting involved with one of their other efforts or what have you, just to help women who are in a situation, uh, you know, where they're afraid and they don't know what they're going to do an unplanned pregnancy. And so that, you know, having that extra time would allow you to be able to do something like that. If there's an organization like that, that you feel passionate about, maybe it's the homeless, maybe it's you know, Hope House, Abuse Recovery for Women. You know, it could be so many different things. I've even heard of people doing more with like the pet projects that they're, that they, you know, <laughs> adoption yeah. and stuff, just really getting involved with a rescue organization or something like that. Did you do any kind of volunteering with anything? Uh, what I did was join the creative arts team through my church because I love to sing. I love to be with other people and make music as uh, you probably already know, but I started serving with them and, you know, serving my church and being there for them and worshiping together. It just filled my soul in a way that I cannot explain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Through my church also, we do things like uh, Love KC, which is an event where we go out in the city and just kind of spruce things up for people, help build things, do landscaping, things like that. So yes, I mean, I definitely, if you can get involved with, there's something so beautiful for me about when I'm hurting, when I can just kind of step down and help somebody else Mm -hmm. because helping them heals kind of a part of me that's broken. So yes, volunteering is excellent. Yeah. And connecting spiritually, that's really what you're talking about. You know, maybe this time during and after your divorce is a great time for you to dive deeper into what you believe and to really try to explore that a little bit more than maybe you have been able to or wanted to before. Yeah, for me, it was it was being involved in my church, seeing how just all the amazing ways that kind of God turned my situation and worked it for good. Yeah. And to know that there are people out there that have heard my story and have benefited from it. I mean, even if one person can get a little bit of hope from what I have to say, (laughs) then I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that I got that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, another thing is have some fun. You know, go out and do oh, things yeah. that are fun that you wouldn't have done before, and don't and don't be so self conscious about things. One one of the things that I saw was dance, and I and I've done more dancing since my divorce than I ever have before. I I think I knew the electric side before, but I didn't know it real well. <laughs> I've learned it. I know it. I can do all the line dances. I'm ready for the next family wedding or reunion, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, just let loose, have fun, enjoy life, right? Yes. So I am a complete goofball. I will, I am that friend that will do anything and everything to embarrass (laughs) myself. If it means that it will make somebody laugh. That was a huge part of me that was stuffed down in a lot of my um, relationships. You know, multiple people that I have dated have kind of stuffed that part of me down. I mean, so, you know, during quarantine, I put on a banana costume and walked to the mailbox at my apartment complex to see if I could get a reaction out of people. Or I, uh, one of the things I did, and I, you know, making myself laugh, it comes pretty easy, but now it's actually really fun. And I kind of think of ideas to entertain myself, especially in quarantine. So I made a video. This one you can't post, but it was, <laughs> it was me doing a bunch of different musical instruments that I'd made up around my house and, and 
and singing to Toto's Africa and just <laughs> laughing so hard that I couldn't even handle it. I was like, why am I making this? Because I want to laugh and I want to be goofy and I want to be there. Making people laugh is one of the greatest things for me. Yeah. So that goofiness and the ability to 100% be myself and not afraid if somebody's like, what on earth is Natalie doing? Because you know, people who know me know that they're going to expect weird things. <laughs> Those things um, for you, it was dancing for me. It was like, I'm just going to be my odd self and put that out there for the world. So yeah. that was that was wonderful for me to finally feel that. <laughs> Embrace your weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> We're all weird <laughs> in different ways, yes. right? Yeah. Well, you know, really, it just comes down to doing all the things, whatever other people are doing. If somebody's inviting you to go do something, go do it. Who cares mm-hmm. if you're a third wheel or a fifth wheel or any odd numbered wheel? It doesn't matter. We're all human. Go out, enjoy life. Stop focusing on yourself and your pain and being stuck in this place. Choose instead to just go see what life has to offer and explore the world and you know all of the things that we've talked about, being outdoors, checking into your creativity, learning something new, volunteering, getting into church or connecting spiritually with what you believe and dancing and all of the things. They're all good. Yeah. They all are part of the experience of life as a human. And so... That's that's really what we wanted to talk about today is just savoring all the things as a single person that honestly you may not get to for very long, you know. It really is a gift. Yeah, exactly. Anything else in particular you want to share about the the things to do with the extra time you have as a single person? Actually, yeah, I'd like to share what a friend of mine did that I just was really inspired by. I haven't done um, a lot of these myself, but she put together a list one day called 40 New Things. And she wanted to accomplish 40 new things before she turned 40. And it was it, it was brought about because somebody who she had dated for a little bit of time, just kind of challenged her and was just like, I just don't feel like you, you're, you're open to new ideas or new things. I, I'm pretty sure that's kind of how it went. And she's like, well, well, yeah, well, I'll show you. I'm just going to think of, and she just started doing all these random things like, uh, goat yoga. Um, I want to go paint something. So we went to, I went to a cat cafe with her and we did a, a painting, um, session and we can't paint, but it was so much fun to try to do that. So she thought of all of these yeah. random things, take a dance class, uh, bucket list things, just things that were within her realm to do. And she went and did all of those things that I'm not saying you're going to do one of them. I love it. And you may and you may not feel up to it every day. You don't even have to do 40 new things. But yeah. for me, it was what was my kind of like bucket list of things that just always made me happy, even if they were if you thought they were dumb or you kind of internalized it as that's you know, eh, that's kind of goofy. Yeah. Write it down and seek it out. The yeah. and then share it, find some friends to share it with because sharing some of these experiences with other people are memories that I will always hold on to. Yeah, absolutely. I did one of those was a bucket list item of uh, getting a ride in a hot air balloon. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. That's wonderful. I got to do that over Las Vegas last year. Super cool. And and it's much different than you might expect if you've never done it, because I think I imagined that it would be loud and it, and it, you know, when they're doing the, the hot air, the fire or whatever for a moment at a time, it's, it is kind of loud, but not, not uncomfortably loud, but then they, they don't do that the whole time. It's just they give it bursts of air, you know, every once in a while. And in between those, it's just silence. And you're just flo- wow. you're just floating like, I don't even know. I'm so bad with numbers, but it's like maybe, 
I don't know, 200 feet, a mile. I don't know. (laughs) You're not very far above the earth. That's what I'm saying. You can see a dog if there's a dog in the backyard, you know, like you can see things as you're going over and it's just silence. And there's like eight people in the basket and you're just all just looking out. There's very little talking. It's just, it's, it was so cool. I I would do it again in a heartbeat. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm adding that to my bucket list right now. Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite recommendations is for all single ladies as they heal from their divorce to go on what I call a solo sojourner. And what I mean by that is I want you to go away by yourself somewhere you've never been. For me, it was a week alone in a cabin at, at the base of the Smoky Mountains. And for a week, I just wrote in my journal, hung out in the hot tub, sang as loud as I wanted to, cried, <laughs> wrote in my journal some more, went out to dinner by myself, went and rode the Alpine coaster by myself, did whatever I wanted to do because it was all about me and about just processing everything I'd been through. And I actually have written kind of a prescription for this uh, that I love to share with other women about the exact steps they too can take to use a mini or not so many getaway in their healing. And if anyone's interested in knowing about this, I'd be happy to share it. It can truly be life-changing. Did you ever do... I know you said that you went on that trip to... Where was it? Utah? Yes. Yes. Was that kind of how that was for you? Or did you do anything else like that by yourself? Uh, Utah was amazing it, it, because uh, it, it was it was it was one of my best friends. We went. I don't even know the word canyoneering. I never thought I would do something like that. I mean, I am I'm kind of like not the risk taking friend, but it? it's kind of where you just are between all of these rocks out in the middle of Zion, Utah, and climbing them and and doing. It's kind of like hiking up in the rocks. Okay. Somebody's going to listen to this and think that I'm describing this completely wrong, but, but that's what it was for you. <laughs> yes. So even though I was with them, I mean, I flew out by myself and and not only trips, but I would take myself on dates. So if you can't afford a trip, take yourself on a date. I took myself to see the Lion King mm-hmm. and I got a balcony seat so that I could be right up front with no big hats, hair, anything in front of me. And I just sat there and enjoyed how magical that musical was. So I took, I was like, I'm worthy for dates. I like doing things by myself because the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. Nobody's looking at you. They don't care. No movies. I went to movies by myself. (laughs) I went to dinner by myself. If I wanted to do something and I didn't have anybody to do it, I didn't care. I would do it. That's awesome. Honestly, I think that's how you get to the point that you can savor your singleness is you stop caring what other people think and you learn how yes. to date yourself and love spending time with yourself. And and I really, truly think that it, people who don't do that are at a disadvantage because a lot of times I think what happens if you don't do that on some level, you end up choosing a partner to fill a void. And if you do these you know, simple things as far as going out and just enjoying your life, getting to know yourself, dating yourself, loving yourself, enjoying spending time with yourself. You're so full that by the time you meet somebody, they're just like icing on the cake. You don't need them to be happy, but you love having them in your life. You want them instead of needing them. And that is such a better place to build a relationship from. So... Yes. And that can be so scary. I I know people who are terrified of this Mm -hmm. and I made it, my singleness right now, it's intentional. I'm not on dating sites. I'm not out there trying to meet anybody because I'm actually, I really love my time to myself. I've, I've gotten used to it. So 
when I get to a point where somebody comes along and they're my equal and and everything, you know, that's great. That's that's going to be amazing. But I'm not out there searching for it because I don't need it, and I never did. Yeah, that is awesome. And I think you know, and like like we've said, it just it makes all the difference in the world as to how you approach yourself and relationships for the rest of your life. So, uh, what closing thoughts do you have, if any, Natalie? Yeah, I do. I was kind of thinking and praying about this because I I know a lot of people who are going through divorce think, you know, am I ever going to fall in love again? And I struggle with that too, because I I, want to fall in love again. I absolutely, you know, want to, but, but sometimes, you know, getting caught up in that, just knowing, you know, I've been through so many trials. It's like, why would I try again someday? But when you take the time to work on yourself and to heal, you're going to approach love from a new perspective, right? So I'm not going to go into a new relationship as the same person I was before. I've done the work that I need to do to protect myself from getting into some of those same repetitive, toxic patterns that that would break me, yeah. you know, in the past. So right now, I mean, I'm only seeking out healthy-minded people who, you know, are like-minded with me to get to know, right? right. So I think I will date. I think I will fall in love again. Um, and I just pray that, that anyone listening just begins to heal, learn self-love and, and recognize that first it comes within yourself, but, you know, healing and loving yourself changes things. It's, it's not over. It's absolutely not over. Yeah. Very good. I agree. Well, thank you again, Natalie, for being here. And listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this challenge to look at your aloneness as solitude instead and to choose gratitude for what you do have. And instead of focusing on what you don't have or what you wish you had, most of our lives as women, we are consumed with taking care of other people, an ex-husband, a a child, a parent, you know, even friends and church members and coworkers. We, We give, give, give. And then the kids grow up or the marriage ends and a new life begins. And this is most likely a very short period of time in your life when you look back on it from, you know, your your senior years, you're going to see just how short this time period was. And you're going to be able to experience what it was like to embrace it and to savor it. And before you know it, life will take another turn and your life will be full again with another mate or who knows what else, right? Because life is constantly changing. So just try to look at it that way. And, you know, just as always, if you have questions, you want to talk about this more, you want to explore this topic, or if you're interested in divorce coaching or divorce real estate coaching, consulting, you can email me at Annie at startingoverstronger.com. I also love to get emails uh, with your requests for topics to hear on this show. And I have a quick announcement starting soon. I will be offering group divorce coaching in addition to private. And that works by just you, me, and up to a 11 other women walking your same journey through divorce, meeting weekly to talk about anything and everything related to your divorce. You can send me an email if you'd like to know more about that. You definitely don't have to trudge through your divorce alone, lost and overwhelmed. You can divorce well and then learn to live well and make some friends along the way. If you need more personalized attention, of course, I do offer private coaching for divorce and life transition to walk alongside women to help you make wise and logical decisions through your divorce with the support of a coach and my team of resources and a host of tools. I love helping women through this season of their lives because I've been there and I came out of it 
in a way that I feel proud of and I have no regrets about. And I want you to experience that too. I want you to love the life that you live after divorce. And I've made it my life's mission to create a network of support services to help you do exactly that. So please reach out if I can help. You can book a discovery call as my gift to you at startingoverstronger.com where you can learn more about that. And remember, wherever you are in your divorce process, if you're still deciding, if you're surviving, or if you're trying to learn how to thrive again, Starting Over Stronger, coaching, real estate consulting, and podcasts are here with the help you need as you divorce and the hope that you're looking for as you are starting over stronger.